Thank you for joining me this morning for our 10 o'clock worship sermon. Uh, I'm Stephen Azera, one of the elders here at Calvary Baptist Church in Phillipsburg, Kansas. We thank you for joining us, and we are going to study chapter 16 this morning uh, on good works from the confession. Uh, We're going to read paragraphs 1 and 2 and then examine the chapter. The confession says, Good works are only those that God has commanded in his holy word. Works that do not have this warrant are invented by people out of blind zeal or on a pretense of good intentions and are not truly good. Paragraph 2 says, These good works done in obedience to God's commandments are the fruit and evidence of a true and living faith. Through good works, believers express their thankfulness, strengthen their assurance, build up their brothers and sisters, adorn the profession of the gospel, they stop the mouths of opponents, and glorify God. Believers are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, so that they bear fruit leading to holiness and have the outcome eternal life. In order to properly understand the doctrine of good works, we must know what we mean by the term good works. According to the Baptist Confession, good works are only those works that God has commanded in his holy word and those derived from good and necessary consequences. And this is what scripture says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21. God equips you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Later in our 11 o'clock service, we will read from Leviticus chapter 10. And Leviticus chapter 10 is the story of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. The scripture says, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. It was an evil work. It was not a work that God commanded Nadab and Abihu to do. And because that uh, they did this by their own intentions, and disregarded the word of the Lord, this good work that they thought they were doing is actually an evil work. And God punished them for it. What was the Lord's response to this evil work? He consumed them, both Nadab and Abihu. Why? Because the works that they did did not derive from God's word but they derive from their own intentions. In the ancient world, the Babylonians were one of the most wicked nations at that time. They practiced child sacrifices. They offered up their children to the pagan god Moloch in order to gain Moloch's favor. They believed that by burning their children, it would gain the favor of their God. This form of child sacrifice was briefly practiced by the Israelites, and God hated it. 
The Israelites thought that God loved it and that God would bless them as a nation because they were offering up their sons or their daughters to him by sacrifice. But the Lord hated it. He says in Jeremiah 32, 35, they built the high places of Baal in the valley of the son of Hinnom to offer up their sons and daughters to Moloch, though I did not command them. The Lord called this practice an abomination. Nadab and Abihu, the Israelites offering up their children to the god Moloch, are not examples of good works. Scripture does not commend them. Scripture does not command them. Scripture does condemn them. Good works are defined as good because God says they are good. They derive from his words. Uh, The things that we do, that God commands us to do, those are good works. God didn't command Nadab and Abihu to offer fire. God didn't command the Babylonians or the Israelites to offer up their sons and daughters. These were not good works. They were abominations because they did not derive from God's word, but from human intention. Good works are also considered good if they derive from good and necessary consequences. What does good and necessary consequences mean? Good and necessary consequences describe the things that Scripture doesn't explicitly command, but are implied. Let me give you some examples of good and necessary consequences. Should women be permitted to participate in the Lord's Supper? The answer is yes. We practice that in our church. Women, professing believers who are women, are permitted to take the Lord's Supper. But the problem is, that is not explicitly commanded in Scripture. Find in Scripture where the Bible explicitly commands for women to take of the Lord's Supper. The Bible explicitly commands men to, but not explicitly women. But we permit women, and it's a good thing for women to do participating in the Lord's Supper, because that derives from good and necessary consequences. It is both good and necessary for women, believing women, to participate in the Lord's Supper. Therefore, it's binding. It's binding. A believing woman should participate in the Lord's Supper. Another example of good and necessary consequences comes from the scripture in Romans 13. The Christian's relationship with the government. Uh, Is obedience to the government a command? Yes, it is. But is it a binding command in all instances? And the answer is no, it's not. If the government commands you to have an abortion, you should disobey the government. If the government commands you to sin against God, or if the government commands you to do something that God does not command you to do, then you should refuse your government. So, although the scripture says, submit to your local government, submit to all governing authorities, by good and necessary consequences, 
if the government commands you to sin, you should disobey the government. So good works are those that are explicitly commanded for us to do in Scripture and the things that God implies, such as good and necessary consequences. Good works do not derive from our own intentions. Uh, Good works are not those that humans have invented. For example, church traditions are not good works. Uh, Human traditions are typically the cause of church splits. They're typically the cause of arguments among church members. And for some foolish reason, churches love to elevate their traditions above the commandments of God. And it's sin. Jesus addresses this in Mark chapter 7. The Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not obey the tradition of the elders? but they eat with defiled hands. And Jesus said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, you hypocrites. For Isaiah wrote, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Why? Because they teach that the commandments of men are greater than the commandments of God. Human traditions... Exalting human traditions is not good works. It's not. Well, we've always done it. We've always done that in our church. Therefore, you must follow that. No. Typically, when churches bring in new pastors or new leaders, it always starts controversy when the new pastor would like to change something. You know, instead of having a 9.45 Sunday school, maybe he wants to start at 10 o'clock. And the church's response is, well, we've always done it this way. And they bind that pastor to their traditions. That's, That's not obedience to God. Good works that derive from human inventions are not good works. Works that derive from tradition are not considered good works. You're you're not bound to obey them. And the confession says in paragraph 3, the ability to do good works does not arise at all from themselves, but entirely from the Spirit of Christ. Good works do not rise from ourselves. They come about because the Spirit of God communicates the Word of God and we are bound to obey and do what God commands us to do. And we need to stress this. Good works derive from Scripture, not from man's intentions. Human traditions cannot be commandments of God. Last Wednesday in our Bible study here at our church, we examined James chapter 4. And 
he talks about uh, judging your brother. And when you judge your brother, you become an, a, essentially a lawgiver. And, and, and James is talking about uh, non-essential things. And, and we talked about, you know, Halloween and Christmas and uh, Easter, you know, Thanksgiving, the, the, the major United States holidays. Uh, is, is a Christian disobeying God by, by participating in Halloween? Is a Christian uh, disobeying God by participating in a pagan religion like Christmas? And we talked about how if you hold another brother to the standard of your laws, that's legalism, and you are essentially making yourself a lawgiver over your brother. And that's what James is warning us to not do. To not become our brother's lawgiver over things that God has not commanded from his word. James says there is only one lawgiver and it's God. And he has his own law. Christians and churches fall into this era all the time. How dare you change that? How dare you change the kind of music? How dare you dress up your children in a, a, a Ninja Turtle costume and, and go around door to door asking for candy? That, that's, that's paganism. Friend, listen to me. When you do that, you are establishing your own law as his personal law. And you're saying that he must obey that, although God says nothing about it in Scripture. Good works are only good if they are derived from God's word and from good and necessary consequences. That's it. We cannot bind another man's conscience to what we think is sin. That's wrong. That's evil. What is the purpose of good works? Well, good works have several purposes, but the two main purposes, we'll, we'll talk about uh, some minor purposes, but first, the two main purposes of good works is to glorify God. That's number one. That's the, the main purpose of our good works. We don't do them to glorify ourselves. Uh, we don't do good works so that people would know how righteous we are or, or how Christian we are. All right? We do good works because we want to glorify God. Well, why do we want to glorify God? Because, well, he is our creator. Uh, we owe him our existence. Uh, he made us in his image. And because of that, we are obligated to reflect God's character in the world. And so when we do good works, when we do works of kindness, and we are good to someone else, we are reflecting the character of God. We are reflecting his image. The scripture says in Luke uh, in the Gospel of Luke, that Christ was mighty in word and deed. 
And since we are followers of Christ, we are also to be mighty in word and deed. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is the reason why God made us. That we would do works and we would glorify him in this world. But what happened in the Garden of Eden? Adam sinned. Uh, he then passed on his sin nature to all of his offspring. And so now, Adam and his offspring, when we enter the world, we can't do good works. All we do is works of evil. But when God regenerates us, and we are transformed in our heart, mind, and soul, we now are able to do good works. And as we live for the purpose of God's glory in the world, we intentionally seek to do the things that are right and pleasing to the Lord. We're able to do that now. Christians who have been born again, they are able to, by good works, glorify God, to do the things that God is pleased with. Things that are right and good and just and holy. And when we do that, when we live according to that principle, we are living according to the life in the new age. The life that is promised in the new age, in the age that is to come. When we live according to God's standard, and do God's work, and intentionally seek to do the things that pleases God. Although we live in a present age of sin and hopelessness, when we seek to do the things that please God, we actually live according to the age that is to come. That's it. Purpose of good works, number one. We live to glorify God. And how do we do that? By taking God's word, reading what pleases him, the Holy Spirit of God helping us, giving us wisdom, giving us understanding, and we take the word of God, and when the scripture says, do this, we do it, that brings God much glory. The second main purpose of good works is to verify your salvation. The Baptist Confession says in paragraph two, these good works done in obedience to God's commandments are the fruit and evidence of a true and living faith. Good works demonstrate that our faith is true and genuine. And, and we must distinguish now. We must distinguish that good works are the fruit of our salvation. Good works are not the cause. They are not the cause of our salvation. We are not saved by our good works. We are saved in order to do good works. Good works do not contribute anything to our salvation. They are the result of our salvation. And so those are the two main purposes of good works. Our good works glorify God, and when we live in this world according to God's standard of righteousness, and we uh, walk in goodness, and we walk 
uh, in uh, the purpose of God's plan that, and we do what is pleasing in his sight, we glorify God. We exalt him. And the second main purpose of our good works is to verify your salvation. How do you know if you're saved? How do you know if your profession of faith is genuine? How do you know you're sincere? Because if you are, if you've truly been saved, you will produce good works. Jesus says in the Gospels, a, a, a fig tree does not bring forth thistles. You know? It, it doesn't. It, it brings forth figs. A Christian doesn't bring forth evil works. Right? He brings forth good works. An evil man brings forth evil works. But a Christian persists in holiness. He persists in good works. He bears good fruit and much fruit as well, Jesus says in John chapter 15. So those are the main two purposes, uh, two main purposes of good works. We do good works to glorify God and our good works verify our salvation. But there are others minor, I hate to say minor, but lesser purposes of good works. Uh, first, good works reveal our gratitude to God for his grace. Our good works reveal our gratitude for God's mercy and his care, his providence. We demonstrate our love to God through our works. If you truly are grateful for God saving you, you will do the things that please the Lord. You will do the things that are consistent with people who are saved. Obedience, doing God's will, pleasing the Lord, doing the things of God. Are you grateful for God's salvation? Are you grateful for his grace, the forgiveness of sins? Are you grateful for God's loving kindness? Then your response will be obedience. Our good works are actually the most significant thing that we can do to reveal that we do love God. Obedience to God is the number one thing that we can do to show God that we are grateful for all he's done for us. Good works also strengthen our assurance. Jesus says in John chapter 15, I am the true vine. Your father's a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. Later on, he says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone, does this, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The purpose of salvation is for you to bear good works. According to Christ, if you are in him, if you are truly saved, God prunes you. He is your vine dresser. And he prunes you so that you can bear good fruit. Which is to say, if you are a Christian, God works in you to do good works. And that should be assurance for you. How do you know that you're saved? 
because you do good works. It's a great barometer for insurance that you are strengthened in faith. That you look at your life, you examine your heart, and you say, yeah, I, I, I obey the Lord. I love obedience. I love to do the things of the Lord. I love to please him. You do that through your good works. Your works justify your faith. Your works don't justify you before God, but your works certainly prove that your faith is genuine. How do you know that you're truly saved? Because the works that you do justify your faith. And on the other hand, the opposite is true. If you do not do good works, if you don't bear fruit, then you truly have to examine your faith and say, wow, what what is wrong with my faith? The Bible talks about men who by their good by their evil works have shipwrecked their faith. The Bible mentions two men in particular. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, Paul mentions uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander that they have made a shipwreck of their faith. How? How do they do that? Through evil works, through bad deeds. And again in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul mentions Hymenaeus again and Philetus. He says they have swerved from the truth. They are upsetting the faith of the church. And so there are people who, by their evil works, prove that they're not truly saved. And if that doesn't, you know, buckle you a little bit, like, whoa. I I need to start examining my heart. And this is one of the benefits of the Lord's Supper and why I believe churches should serve the Lord's Supper weekly. Because the scripture says prior to taking the Lord's Supper, every person is to examine themselves to see whether they are in the faith or not. And so the Lord's Supper serves as a great time for us to consider our faith. To consider our lifestyle. Does the lifestyle match what we profess to be? And if not, may God grant you repentance. May the Holy Spirit bring about repentance in your life. Good works occur Because a Christian is living according to God's word. And if we are, it's, it's a great benefit for us. Because it produces good works. Obedience produces good works. We glorify God. We have assurance that what we profess with our mouth is sincere and true. It verifies whether we are in the faith or not. And on the other hand, evil works, they are damaging a a consistent lifestyle of sin will cause you to shipwreck 
your faith. The word shipwreck that uh, Paul uses in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 uh, it describes uh, throwing overboard the things that are essential to the ship's life. Throwing overboard the things that are necessary and significant to the health of the ship. And when you throw these things overboard, you will cause your ship to wreck. You will damage the vessel. And that's how Paul's using that word about Hymenaeus and Philetus and Alexander. Those three men, because of their evil works, proved that their faith wasn't sincere. Good works are also beneficial to other Christians. Through our good works, we help our brothers and sisters who are in need. You know, the same grace that God has given us, we want to give to others, especially those of the Christian faith. Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are, who are of the household of faith. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about shining our light before others. He says, don't put your light under a basket, but on a stand, so that it gives light to all in the house. The church is the house that Jesus is referring to, and the light that we shine is our good works. Our good works edify and strengthen our fellow Christians. And that's why we shouldn't hide or not do good works in the church. But we should take that light and put it on a stand. Our good works also affirm the gospel. Have you ever heard the phrase, talk the talk and walk the walk? That's the sentiment the world has about Christians, especially in the Western world. If you polled unbelievers in the United States, what do you think their opinion would be of the church? I think they would call us hypocrites. And although there isn't much merit to that claim because they're unbelievers, but there is some merit. We don't always live like Christians. We don't always do good. We don't always serve others. Sometimes, well, sometimes a lot, we sin. And we live like hypocrites. But when we do perform good works, that is a testimony about the power of the gospel because the world sees sinners being transformed. So how do you live among unbelievers? What reputation do you have? And, and yes, again, not all of the world's opinion of us is valid. Most of it isn't. Most unbelievers are going to have a distorted view of Christianity. They're going, to, they're going to misinterpret your works. When we stand against abortion, the world's going to think we're evil. When we stand against homosexual marriage and we want to preserve the, the uh, monogamous heterosexual marriage, the world thinks that we're against them, that we hate them. 
And so, yeah, they're going to mock us and they're going to hate us. But when you do good works, what is their response? Are they grateful? Are they surprised? Like, wow, did you know Bobby next door is a Christian? I had no idea. Are you known for that? Just the other day, um, I was in a local gas station called Love's. Uh, A lady who works there asked me about our church's mission home. For those of you that are listening, our our church owns a mission home. It's a two-bedroom, one-bath. We call it a mission home because it's used for when missionaries come to stay with us to give a report of their work in foreign land. But when they're not here, our church typically lets people in the neighborhood who are struggling financially to live there. Um, they, they live rent-free. Um, they, they, we're responsible for the, the electric and the water. They, basically, the home is for them to get back on their feet. And the employee at the grocery store, when I walked in to get a snack, she asked me about that house. She said, Pastor, is that house available right now? And so our church is known in our community to helping those who are in need. Now, is that our only testimony? No, the Catholic Church does not like us. Uh, The liberal Christian churches, and there are many of them that they're right up the street too, they do not like us. But generally, the public knows that our church has the mission home to help those who are in need. We give to the food bank. We give to the, the clothes bank. We support our local uh, things like our, our uh, sports teams and stuff like that. We, we try to do good things. What about your church? What is your church known for? When Christians live according to Scripture, we give a favorable impression of the gospel to unbelievers. And the opposite is true. If we fail to live according to Scripture, we don't give a favorable opinion of the gospel. Listen to these scriptures about Israel. Ezekiel 36, verse 22. The Lord says, therefore, say to the house of Israel, <coughs> excuse me, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you come. God charged the Israelites because of their behavior, the way that they acted among pagan nations, those pagan nations disrespected God, blasphemed the Lord, and dishonored him because of the way that the Israelites acted. And Paul says in Romans 2.24, For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Our actions, our works, can either exalt the gospel among unbelievers or our works can bring contempt. How are you living among unbelievers? Is your life bringing glory to God? Is it it a testimony to the saving power of the gospel? 
Is it benefiting others in your community? Are you doing good things for the members of your church so that they can be strengthened and they can be edified? Are you helping them? Or are you bringing disrepute upon the name of God? Are you causing others to blaspheme him? Do you give the gospel a bad reputation in your community? Good works. They do not contribute to our salvation. They are a result of our salvation. And the scripture is clear. We are not saved by works. We are only saved by faith. But the man of faith will produce good works. And our good works have several purposes. They glorify God. They bless believers. Uh, They bless unbelievers. Our good works justify our faith. It proves that we're truly saved. Our good works exalt the gospel and bring a good reputation upon the gospel. We cannot merit eternal life by our good works. We cannot merit the pardon of sins by our good works. But we can live to bless others. We can bless God's name. We can bless other people. We can stir up good works in others. And we can use our works to glorify God and the gospel.